Tonight, we're going to be talking about waiting. And I feel like it's a topic. Listen, you hear Porsche over there co-signing already. It's a topic in the body of Christ that you cannot get away from. Because waiting for us seems to be so hard. It, It seems to be so difficult because we serve a God who sits in eternity where there is no time. So to him, it's like every day is one continuing day. And for us, we count the time. We're counting gray hairs, um, you know, aching knees and opportunities gone by. And then, you know, you're looking at other people walking and things and uh, testifying. And it starts to feel like, when is my time coming? When is the thing that you've promised me coming? Because most of our waiting is not just coming from nowhere. Most times it's things that God has promised us. Do I have anybody in here stewarding a promise, stewarding a dream, something that didn't just come from you, but, but God gave it to you, and you're starting to wonder why he never gave it to you with the timeline. And sometimes the details are just a little bit foggy because he never gives you everything at once. And so here as we begin to talk about the topic of waiting, Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, and I bring up this scripture all the time because if you don't have an understanding of this foundational principle on anything that God purposed, it will make your waiting even harder. There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. Some translations say for every purpose under heaven. And it's very specific about under heaven because in heaven there is no time. But we live in a world ruled by time. And everything that God has purposed here that comes from here, him has a set time. It has a time that he's predetermined. I love to um, read about Jesus and all of the miracles that he did and all of the things that he performed. But how many know it wasn't um, just at the moment that he started healing the sick and raising the dead? I believe that Jesus was showing signs of miracles and things long before then because how could his mother place a demand on him outside of his time at the wedding? And what did he say to her? Woman, you're asking me to do this before my time. You see, God brings us into an understanding of the timing that's placed on our lives. He may not give you the full details, but he'll let you know when it's not your time. And here it was, Jesus was full of power and potential, but he had an understanding that it's not my time. And his mother could place a demand on something because whenever God has put something inside of us, it's showing up long before the time he wants everybody else to see it. There's something that happens in secret that makes us feel like we're ready for the public. But God determines the time that the public gets to see the potential that rests in secret. And without an understanding of God's timing, because listen, there's one big story taking place here in the world. There's one big story that God is formulating, and we all have a part and a piece in it, but it's about finding the timing of God and resting until you get there. And so it's impossible to talk about 
what happens with the promise or what happens with waiting to not reference Abraham. It is one of the most popular and uh, the most profound stories in the Bible. But I want to talk tonight about what happens in the wait. What happens between the promise and fulfillment is the waiting. And we hate the waiting. We love the promise. When the promise comes, it feels so amazing. It feels like a, a blank check that can be cashed at any time. And then when manifestation comes, it feels amazing. But the waiting is the period for us that tends to feel like something that is impossible. And so if you can turn to Genesis 12, because I'm going to bounce around tonight and I'm going to be moving fast. So Genesis 12, 1 through 4 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, in verse 2. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So listen, look here. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from here. And so listen, here we have it that God has given Abram, Abraham, but Abram at the time, God has given him a promise, but he gave him a promise with instruction. Every promise that we're given is given with instruction. God doesn't just give you a promise. He gives you a way to get to where you're going. And there's going to be many instructions along the way, but initially you have to do what God is telling you to do when he gives you the initial promise. And what was the command to leave your country and the country of your family and to leave your people? He told him to leave your people and go to the place that I am showing you. No promise is given absent of instruction, but I love what it says in verse 4. And it says, and Lot went with him. It didn't say that Abraham took him. It said that Lot went with him. And he allowed Lot to go with him, but the instruction was what? To leave your land and your people. And he may have thought, like we just think, well, it's just one person from the people that I'm taking with me. But God is very specific when he told him, leave and leave your family, leave all your friends, your nieces, your nephews, everybody behind, and just you go. But the Bible says that Lot went with him. And if you study the story of Abraham and you study Lot, Lot was actually Abraham's nephew, and it was his brother that passed away and Lot became the responsibility of Abraham's father and likely Abraham. It was the way it went in those days that if a a sibling passed away, especially a male like a brother, the responsibility now fell on his family to take care of his wives, his children. And so to Abraham, Lot was likely like a brother. 
because it was an older brother that had passed away. He probably, Lot was probably like a brother or, you know, um, just someone that was very close to him. Anytime Lot decided to leave the stability of home to follow him, but that wasn't the instruction. And whenever we skip over the things that we think are small, we count the things that we're leaving behind, but we don't count the one thing that we're taking with us. When God said, leave everything, Abraham probably felt like, well, it's just one person out of a million that I'm leaving behind. What harm can be done? But then we get to Genesis 13. I'm going to show y'all what happens when you get hard-headed, just a little bit hard-headed, because we think just a little bit hard-headed don't bother God. we like, well, I know you told me to do this, but I'm going to just do this. And we think that it's not going to cause any trouble. But what ended up happening is that Lot, when he went along with Abraham, the Bible says that they grew because here it was, Abraham had this promise on his life that he would be fruitful. And along the way, even though it's not the full promise that God intended, like I said, remember, Mary knew that she could put a demand on Jesus's anointing at the wedding outside of his time because your potential starts to show up early. And Abraham may not have been everything that he was going to be, but the potential was starting up early. Here he was becoming fruitful away from his family. And the Bible says that him and Lot grew to the point that all of their herdsmen and all of their people started battling over the land that they were in. And they began to fight and they began to argue because now here it was that Lot and all of his people and his cattle and Abraham and all of his people and their cattle started fighting over the land. And so what happened? Here it is in verse 8 I want to start at. And it says, so Abraham said to Lot, or Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go left. So here is Abraham still taking on the paternal role, the, the stronger male in the family. He said, listen, I love you. We fighting, but we can't be together anymore because it's just causing too much beef and I don't want us to fall out. So I'm going to let you have first pick of what is around us for you to be able to determine where you want you and your people to go. And the Bible says, Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted companies, and Abraham lived in Canaan while Lot among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents in Sodom. Now, I want to get here to verse 14, but before I get there, isn't it funny that the person that comes along, tags along, you give them first choice, and they look around, and they pick what appears to be the best. Lot said, oh, this looks great over here. Everything is well watered and it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, we just going to go this way and I'll let Abraham have whatever is left. I want to point this out in verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot parted from him, after Lot parted from him, because now at this point, his instruction is complete. He said to him to leave your father's house and your land. But when you take a little bit of what you were told to leave, 
with you into the new place that God goes. You're now stopping something that God wants to do until you complete the command. I don't believe that we can shorten a God-ordained time, but you sure can prolong it. You sure can prolong him getting to the thing that he wants to get to. And the Bible says, after Lot parted for him, look around, the Lord says. Look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and the west, and the land that you see. I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone can count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. God said, now that you finally completed what I told you to do, that little piece of relative that you brought with you, that little piece of thing that you've brought with you, now that it's gone, let me give you the second half of this promise. And what I especially love is God God said the north, the south, the west, and the east. It's funny that Lot decided to go east. God said he chose it, but it's not his. It's still yours. He might be there, but it still belongs to you because I promise to give you everything that your eye sees. I don't care who's inhabited the land, who's chosen it. Even if you gave it to him, it's still yours because I've made a promise to you. And when you do what the Lord says, it doesn't matter who's inhabiting a place. Even if you've given it to him, what God says is still yours. You can give it away, but it's still yours. It belongs to you. And everything that you set your feet on, this is the thing that I will give to you. But it's only after you fulfill the thing that I've commanded you to do. And Lot was a reminder. Lot was a responsibility. And if you know the story of Abraham, you'll know that it wasn't done and over with. He had to go and rescue Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. He had to carry Lot until it was time for him to officially let him go. And I'm asking you tonight, are you at a place where you fulfilled a piece of what God's told you to do, but you got just a little 10% of what he's told you to leave behind still resting in your mentality, in your heart, in your mind? Are you viewing it as a responsibility when God is saying, I told you to leave it? And so here after Abraham goes through this whole process of rescuing Lot, sending up prayers for Lot and um, getting Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah and going into war with the Amalekites, here it is in chapter 15, and I'm almost done with the reading portion. And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Here it is. He's amassed this great wealth and he has all of this land and he have 
parts of the promise that God has given him. He's seen fruitfulness in certain areas, but he's saying, you're coming to me again, giving me another promise, but I still have no child. And everything that you've given me is going to go to someone that is not of my blood. See, it's just like God to give us a promise that is so big. And we arrive at certain points where he comes back and he begins to talk to us and tell us how much he loves us and not to be afraid, Abram, I'm your shield and I'm your great reward. And here Abraham is saying, yeah, but there's a piece missing. Remember, you promised me that I could look in the sky and see the stars. And if I could count the stars, that's how many children I will have. And the fact that I can't count the stars means I'm going to have as many children as the stars that I can see. And here it is. I have all of these things. But when I leave here, I have no one to leave them to. And then verse four, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Isn't it funny that God comes back at a moment of frustration? Because many of us are at moments of frustration. And if you're not, you get there and then you kind of leave and then you go back. And listen, if there's anybody that can teach on this message tonight, it's me. If there was like, you know how there's a Miss America pageant, if there was a Miss waiting pageant, I could be in the pageant like they could just crown me and give me a sash right away. The queen of waiting. I, you know, the whole idea, like when people been like, I've been waiting a long time. I'd be like, oh, not longer than me. All my life I've had to wait. That's what I hear when I see the color purple. All my life I've had to wait. Somebody told Harpo not to have me waiting. Like, that's how I feel. Because I've literally been waiting my whole life. And so I know what it feels like to have a promise from God that is so strong. But then you get to moments where you say, okay, now five years have passed and and 10 years have passed and, and 15 years have passed. And you've given me everything else surrounding this promise. But the thing that's really going to make it work hasn't happened yet. And here it is. Abram is saying, but I have no children. But God comes back and he adds to the word specifics because sometimes we need just a little bit of specifics to keep us going. And God said to him, No, everything that you have is not going to be left to someone that is not your flesh and blood. But you're going to have a son. And when you have a son, he'll be your flesh and blood. And let me remind you that what you see right now is not all that there is going to be. Look in the sky. Look at the number of stars in the sky that you see. What comes from you will be more than this. And I'm telling you right now, for those of you that are in positions where you're waiting on your promise, the worst thing that you can do is look at what you see now. Because what you see now is nothing in comparison to what it is that God can do. If it is something you can imagine, it's not God. Because God goes outside of what we imagine to exceed it. And so... Moving along in the story of Abraham, and I'm getting ready to wrap this up. In verse 1, 
in chapter 16, it says, And now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And the Bible says, Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Listen, it don't say that man took any time and said, Let me go think. Let me sleep on it, Sarah. Let me just take a nap. Give me a couple weeks. He was just like, okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. Sounds great. He just went and, and did it. And in times past, we've blamed Sarai for this thinking. We've, we've talked about Sarah. And listen, Sarah and Abraham was a trip. If you read their story, they was two little liars. They just lied all the time. Some of y'all going to be all right after all. If God can just produce a promise through two liars, some of y'all going to be okay. There was a trip. And Sarah gets a lot of flack for this. But when I went and read the story, the promise to him was that an heir would come through your flesh and blood. He had not yet mentioned that it would come through Sarah. He said through your flesh and blood. But back during that time, Abraham knew enough to know that the seed had to be legitimate through his wife because anything born outside of a marriage covenant was not legitimate. And so the Bible goes on to say that Hagar, when she conceived, she began to have an issue with Sarah because now she was carrying something that she knew was of great value and of great worth. And the Bible says that her and Sarah started having contention and they started fighting and she fled and she went away. But the Bible goes on to say that when she ran to the desert, an angel met her and began to speak to her and told her that from this child will come a great nation. Even though this was not the promised child that God predetermined, listen, when you're fruitful, you're you're fruitful. And when God keeps a promise, he keeps a promise. And sometimes the thing that we do that we should not do that produces before our promise becomes a thing that multiplies because of what is on our life. And so here it was, God began to speak to her and began to talk to her about the nature of Ishmael in verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. But listen to this in verse 12. He will be a wild donkey of a man. Listen, y'all, let me, let me just stop there. The Lord is kind of rude. Your child is going to be like a wild donkey, he said. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. If you know anything about the wars right now in the Middle East, it is literally the Jews fighting the Gentiles. It's the Isaacs fighting the Ishmaels. When it said that his hand will be against his brothers. Listen, we're going to go on and read the story, but let me tell you something. Anything that you produce in your own work outside of the leading of God and the promise of God will always live in hostility towards your promise. It will always live in war against your promise. It will always be a reminder of what you chose above what God chose. And so here it was that Ishmael was Isaac's son. And he came from his loins, but he wasn't the promise that God predetermined. 
And the Bible says that Abraham was 68 years old when he had Ishmael. And so in Genesis 21, the Bible talks about how God came, and we know the story where he promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son, and he waited until they were old. And he was beyond his days of producing. And we know the story where God comes and promises them and says, in a year, you will have this son. And the Bible says in verse 1, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And at the very time God promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. And the Bible says Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So here it is, 32 years between Abraham's production and God's production. Here it was that Ishmael was old enough now to see what was produced. And the Bible goes on to say... That when Sarah, they had a feast for when Isaac was born. And when Sarah looked up, she saw Ishmael, the Bible says, mocking Isaac. Isn't it something that something that we produce in our own efforts will live to mock the promise when it arrives? It will live as a reminder of something that we produced in our own efforts and things that we've done for ourselves. Sometimes what we view as condemnation is simply regret that has stayed too long. Regret is meant to come as a feeling that teaches you to resolve the things that you've done. When you don't resolve regret, it turns into condemnation and it lives with you. And here it was. He had time to become familiar with Ishmael and something that he produced from his own work. Let me tell you something. Everything that I've had to produce in my own work that looked like the promise that God gave me, it didn't feel quite the same when the promise actually came. Some of us have become so familiar with Ishmael's that we don't know the difference between an Ishmael and an Isaac. But if you've ever experienced an Ishmael when an Isaac comes, you know that an Isaac comes with presence. An Ishmael comes with war and contention. If you got to fight to get it, you got to fight to keep it. If it's something that you get through your own ways, through brown nosing and deception and things that you have to do to get people to like you and get them to give things to you, it becomes something that you have to do over and over and over again and it becomes exhausting but when you wait on the Lord and you obtain a promise that comes from God it comes through rest and when it comes it may look a lot like an Ishmael but it feels nothing like an Ishmael because an Isaac comes with peace and an Isaac comes with a sense of anointing and a presence on it because it's something only God can do if it's something that you can do through all of your effort and all of your strife and all of the things that come with it it's not God Because when God comes, he looks at the thing that you've promised and then he exceeds it. He looks at the thing that you desire and he exceeds it through his work, something you cannot do. And so in this moment, 
And the story goes on. The Bible says that Abraham had to send Ishmael and Hagar away. He had to create a separation so that his promise could grow up and live in the fulfillment of what God desired. And tonight, I can feel that some of us are in seasons where God is asking us to separate our Ishmael from our Isaac. He's asking us to separate our Ishmael from our Isaac. Because remember I said they'll look alike because both of them come from you. They'll look alike and 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 usually the counterfeit shows up first and you become familiar with the counterfeit. And it's, it starts to feel like the right thing. It starts to feel happy and then you become desensitized with the drama that comes with it. Because Ishmael always comes with drama because it's something you produce outside of the will and the purpose and the plan of God. And so it thrives on drama and you become desensitized and it becomes very dysfunctional. But because you're used to it, you kind of start thinking that this is the Isaac. But it isn't until Isaac shows up according to the time and the season that God determined that now you're in a place where you're forced to reconcile what Ishmael has done in your life with Isaac and I'm telling you right now they can't live together if you're questioning if they can live together it is very clear in this story that God is saying no they cannot there has to be a separation between what you produce and what God produces and so the Bible talks and you guys can stand to your feet the Bible talks about the anguish that Abraham felt in sending Ishmael away. Because I I, want to be very clear. When God is asking you to separate from something that you've produced in your own work, it will feel like a tearing away. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel happy. And and it, it may not always feel like the right thing. But you will see the way that your promise lives when it's separate from something you produced within yourself. Because everything that we produce in ourself has to live and thrive through our own work. And God is saying tonight, what Ishmael do you have facing your Isaac? Are you willing to wait for God's time and season that you may not even know when it is? There are so many things that have come to me in waiting that I never could have imagined had I done what I wanted to do initially over the last three weeks and I I told Pastor Gail I've had a recurring theme happen and it's happened actually in my life like the last three or four years 
where I learned to follow the voice of God almost like immediately how because we'll we'll have this promise and listen I have a promise over my life that I'm waiting to enter into the manifestation of what God shows me and it's like the big thing but while I wait on the big thing there have been these little moments that have come that lets me know how intimately involved God is with our desires. Because if you read the story of Abraham, God called him friend. That's what started this thing, is that he was a friend of God. And the Bible says that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you understand that his belief became the thing that replaced the need for sacrifice? His belief became the thing. And here it was, being a friend of God, how intimately involved God becomes with your desires. We think that it's just all spiritual things and, and, and all of these things that's just associated with the Bible and church. But God gets involved with the little things that you love and the little things that you care about. Because when you're walking with him, you can hear his voice say, wait. When the pandemic happened, and I've got a zillion testimonies, but when the pandemic happened, before it happened, like two weeks before COVID came, I had a dream about my job and they were pass passing out pink slips and I saw them saying, you're going to this location, you're going to this location and we're letting you go and we're letting you go. And I remember someone in the dream that I worked with from a different department coming up to me and saying, did they give you any slip? And I said, no, I'm, they didn't do anything, I'm unaffected. And I didn't know what it mean. And then when the pandemic started happening two weeks later, exactly what happened in the dream happened. They started passing out slips to people and sending people home to work from home and letting people go. But the thing that stood out to me in the dream was I said, I'm going to wait. God was telling me to wait. And what happened, we had people start to jump ship and go to different companies because my company underwent a merger. But I remember the Lord saying, I want you to wait. I want you to wait and see where your job goes and where your position goes. And my favorite boss, the most favorite boss I've ever worked for that was like the most supportive, the best. Um, you know, you all know if you get a good boss, it's like, Father God, let them stay here because if you get a sour boss, it can literally ruin your work experience. And my favorite boss resigned and went to another company and he called me and said, I want you to come work for me. And they were offering more money and I just remember the Lord saying, wait. And so I turned it down. Then another manager left, called me, worked at a different company trying to get me to come work. And I remember the Lord said, wait. And so I waited. And things started shifting and people started losing their jobs. And, and departments started changing. But I remember the Lord told me to wait. I didn't jump ship. When everything stopped moving and shifting, I was in a better position. I now have unlimited paid time off and I'm making more money. 
but the people that jumped ship and left, some of them have went to two other companies and other things. And let me tell you something. God never gave me the whole picture. He said, wait. And if you do not hear the voice of the Lord in the little things, if you look at what you see, you will miss a promise that he sees so far in the future. The same thing happened with our house, and I'm getting ready to pass this on to Pastor Gail. And I can't tell the whole story now for the sake of time. Go to my YouTube channel. I did a YouTube video on it mostly because Pastor Gail was wrong and I was right. And it deserves a whole video when he's wrong and I'm right. I mean, this has to be a monument, something that needs to be in the record books for generations to come for our children and our grandchildren to go look and say he was wrong and she was right but let me tell y'all and and the reason I'm telling this is because this is a bible story within itself and you can come back because I need them to have your face on camera when I tell that you were wrong so come on over here this space is for you um so when we were looking for our house oh he come on Come on, he read too, he read. This is perfect. So when we were looking for our house, um, for couples that have looked for homes together, y'all know this can be like World War 48, okay? And um, we were looking for our house and we gone through the pre-approval we had the pre-approval and during this time it was right before the pandemic but all of everyone looking for homes and they were looking for like single family homes like we were and so we'd gone from house to house to house I mean we were going everywhere and we would find a house and we would say this is nice but it's not big enough because that was the whole point is to get a bigger house because our kids were getting bigger and we needed space and we finally found a home that was a really nice home and they approved us for the house so pastor gail being excited like he always is he done called pastor tim he done called brandon he done called all these people and got them over at the house like this is our house so they over there celebrating like do 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 and i'm back home listen he's so excited we were excited because it was a nice house And they're over there celebrating, and I'm at home, full of the Holy Spirit that he doesn't have at the level that I have, just full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit. Like, his Holy Spirit stops here, and mine stops here. It's not full. And so, um, he said, come on, Ishmael, but (laughs) I'm I'm at home, and they're over there celebrating, And I I want y'all to pay attention because this is how the Holy Spirit works. He never comes in like this booming voice. He starts as an impression on your heart. And I felt an impression in my heart and I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's a really nice house. You can have it if you want it or you can have what you really want. I thought that was what I wanted until he brought me into an invitation and said, you can have what you really want, but you don't think it's possible. 
because he doesn't force your hand. He invites you into belief. It's an invitation to activate your faith and to believe. He don't make you do anything. He invites you into risk. So I said, I started wrestling because I was thinking about them over there having a fiesta. Man, he ordered pizza to the house. Y'all said, this is a celebration. (laughs) And (laughs) I knew how we fought. But I said, man, I I want what I really want. So Gail came home. And I said, Gail, it's not the house. He said, what do you mean? Y'all, he was a soprano. What do you mean? And I said, it's not the house. I said, and then it was like when I confessed, when Lot departed from Abraham, it opened up a confession. And I confessed. I started to confess what was inside of me that I didn't know what was inside of me. I said, this is the amount of space I really want. And this is what we really need. And this is what we're going to need for your studio. And this is what we're going to need for an office. And in another three years, our kids are going to outgrow that house. And he got real quiet. And he was boiling hot, man. And he said, all right, we can pass on it. But if we don't find something, we're calling them back. And I said, all right. So here we were after three months of searching, being disappointed, looking high and low. We were now back into a market that was more saturated than it was before. And the only thing that we had was a promise that I could get what I wanted or what I really wanted. And so we started back up looking. We went from home to home to home to home. And every home that wasn't the home, when we would get back in the car, I wouldn't even look to my right because I could feel a head looking at me like it is now, like, Shawnee, it's not the house. Like, I had to deal with all of it. We was going to some bold-looking houses, y'all. I was like, oh, that's the promise? You want that thing? That look like got roaches. I ain't living there nothing had roaches but it was such an upsetting um, situation and then finally at the end of it all one day a house just randomly came on the market I was searching and I looked and the house came on the market and it had no pictures it had nothing it only had square feet it said it's it's being built but You know, it's not done yet. And so we called Tiff and we said, Tiff, we just want to go see this house. It was outside of where we were looking. It was outside of the city we were looking in. And finally, Gil's like, you know, he's giving me lip the whole way there. He's like, this ain't even where we want to go. Blah, blah, blah. So we turned down the street. And when we pull up to the house, he, mind you, he's talking the whole street. He like, and I've got to do The house was completely brand new. Now, mind you, we said we wanted at least four bedrooms, and we were going to make one of the bedrooms into an office. We walk in the house. It has four bedrooms, but it has an office already. 
So then we start looking around at the square footage and the amount that they wanted was less than what we'd been bidding on in other places. And it was like, I, I felt myself getting ready to cry. And all of a sudden, the soprano voice came back and said, you were right. You were right. You, you were right. Listen. Give it to me again, Devon. You were right. You were right. With, the, with vibrato on it. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> but it's like we ended up, I, I, I'm saying all of this, and I took this time to say this because I feel like some of you are here. There are experiences with God that literally change your faith walk. That was the first time I took a risk on something I didn't see. I traded something I saw for something I didn't see. And how God wanted, he didn't want what we could get ourselves. He wanted to exceed it. But you have to create a space for God to exceed. And sometimes that means being the one person to say, no, I'm going to follow God. There's been so many times that Pastor Gail has had to say, you weak right now. But I heard the Lord say, and I had to come alongside with the voice of the Lord speaking to him. And sometimes he's had to do this with me. But when you hear God, you know to stand firm and to be strong regardless, even if it's someone that you love saying, I don't hear it, but I believe that you hear it. And I feel like tonight God is trying to bring some of you into a season where your faith produces something that you cannot produce you've given him a bar and a standard and he's saying don't touch it now step away and watch me exceed it cease from your own works and watch and see what the Lord does. Can you lift up your hands in this place? <laughs>